If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live. <laughs> oh, that was we are unhinged today. This shit's crazy. Hello, welcome back to another Tuesday with us here at Podcast by Proxy. I think we should acknowledge that we are recording on Remembrance Day. So We are. Veterans yes. Day in the States, Remembrance Day in Canada. So thank you so much to everyone serving their country and risking their lives for ours. Yes, thank you. Present and past. And we future. just passed our 11 o'clock two minutes of silence, which we took part in. We did. And we commemorated with, so we are now starting to record just after 11 a.m., which is weird for us. Yeah. We're not lunchtime recorders. No, this is going to be an interesting vibe. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Katie has something wild for us today, so off we go to the 30s. No? Yeah, after all the kid cases and the real downers that Olivia took us on lately because that's her thing apparently which honestly I thought would be my thing and I think there'll be a shift one day where she'll need a break and we will but I feel like you've just been on a roller coaster I just don't shy away from the cases that people would normally be like oof that's hard to hear no me neither but then I'm like I almost want to do those I need to be the un-oof weeks though sometimes to be careful she has to un-oof us we gotta un-oof sometimes (laughs) (laughs) un-oofed I've come (laughs) un-oofed this is gonna be so goofy we've been trying to record for like an hour but we just can't get there speaking of which moments ago and I wish I had been recording when this happened (laughs) Olivia started talking about something, oh, a book she saw across the room and said it was calling to her to the point where she literally went up and just like touched it and then showed me a few other books. And I said, hurry up, we're getting distracted again. (laughs) Out of nowhere, I look behind me and she is brushing her hair. I just said, don't get distracted. Who sees you? I'm not unoofed. Oh, so your hair is so short. Did it need brushed? Yeah, it's just like not a nervous habit. You're a naughty bitch. My hair is really fine, so it gets really, I don't know, it just looks looks nicer when it's brushed. Also, I'm a squirrel and my brain operates in strange ways, so I'm here though now, I think. Also, for the record, when I said Fran Fine, it just reminded me that one day I put on the nanny and Olivia didn't know what the show was, but I'm going to get her into it, guys. I'm working on it. No, I don't. Fran Dresser is just the bee's knees. Love her. So today's case. All right. True crime-a-thon. Let's do it. I went to a true crime pod-a-thon. It's how I won VIP tickets to the true crime podcast festival next year. 
Are we going to go to that? Heck yes, we are. Oh my god! I'm looking into what it is now and the dates. COVID don't ruin this for me. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. We got to cross some borders soon, so we need them to stay open, people. Yeah. Get I, vaccinated. I got to cross a few borders. Don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all? Okay. We're going to talk about... <laughs> Today's gonna be full of bloopers. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know why this is so funny. Okay. Ah, okay. I think it's because you did like a little quick Google of this guy and you know what you're in for <laughs> in a way, but also oh, very much not what you're I in think for. I'm just in a goofy mood. Same. All right. We are taking a trip back in time today. Don't read my post-it notes, lady. I, I actually was just like super blankly staring at it. I have no idea Is what it's it it because said. I have a positive candy attitude? <laughs> <laughs> We're time traveling today? Yep. That's Back exciting. to the 30s. Okay. Put my post-it over here, you sneaky bitch. I feel like I would like to have been born in the 30s. Um. Seemed like a simpler time. Reading this case... I think I would like maybe a little bit more advancements in technology. Maybe a little longer after the Great Depression. Yeah. I don't know if I'd really want to be born at the end of the Great I would like some more women's rights, too, if I was going to go back to the 30s. Like, maybe just like a more progressive version. I think it's pretty clear my feelings around food. And I know the Great Depression really (laughs) lacked that. So many potatoes. Not in Ireland. No. When was the true. potato famine? Same know. time? The potato depression? So <laughs> happens when I don't have french fries for a few weeks. Oh, I have the potato depression. Same. Taters are real important to us. Albert Johnson is who we're talking about. Okay. The Mad Trapper. <laughs> I was on a hunt for just a essentially Canadian Arctic case. Okay. I wanted to see something in cold weather. I wanted some snow. That's fair. We just... haven't traveled up north to the territories at all. Yeah. I actually had a few people mention it to me when I went back through some messages. Um, so it felt appropriate. Okay. And I had no inspiration this week myself. So when I saw this one, it just, bing, light bulb. It and inspired so, you. Yes. I love that. I will say at the time, because we are going to talk a lot about this, that... We are in the fur trading time. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of talk about trap lines, fur trading. And for anyone who doesn't know, trap lines were essentially strung up lines to catch animals to profit from selling the fur. Really not using the entire animal in a lot of circumstances, though. In BC, areas for which registered is granted to one or more licensed trappers for the trapping of fur bearing animals under the BC Wildlife Act. Mm Mm-hmm. The BC Wildlife Act. That's essentially what we go by now. So there's small areas, just like there would be for logging or anything like that. They are all registered areas where you can get licensed and trap within, which is bullshit. It's sort of like hunting laws, right? Like there's areas and times that you can hunt, and I'm sure that's protected under the Wildlife Act as well. But essentially, yeah, hunting license, you're usually using some type of loud firearm. Whereas a trapping license is a silent form of trapping as well. Yeah. And catching prey. Okay. And we don't know this guy's birthday. This was before the planet kept record of a body count, really. So 
we know he was born at the late 1890s. Okay. Early 1900s. That's fair that we don't have an exact date. Right? But as I went into this, you'll see about 20 years later, it's shocking the records they're keeping all of a sudden of stuff. So shit went down in the Great Depression. (laughs) Records were kept. It happened. No birth certificate. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, we're going to go 1900s or so. So, we're going to start on page two. It's a page flipper today. Yeah, I'm just a paper noter. We've gone over this. On July 7th, 1931. Wow, okay. We're just going in. Yeah, we went right there. Well, we know nothing about when he was born or really where. So, he's like early 30s, though. Approximately. Okay, early to mid. Yeah, that's what we're thinking. Okay. 30-year-old male picture in your mind i'll show you a picture of this dude later crazy the mad trapper okay back then i'm assuming there was just like one of every name in a town because literally the records say william and edward reported oh no last names you know that's fair the population was much less very minimal yeah maybe that's why there's no birth certificates they really don't need to keep track yeah (laughs) they ran into who they say introduced himself as albert johnson at the Peel River store near Fort McPherson in the Northwest Territories. Okay. They said he was slightly red, leather-skinned looking man, probably had been working outside. <laughs> Not the most desirable. Red leather skin. Yes. Yeek! However, ideal customer. Comes okay. in, is dropping like $1,500. So mm-hmm. back then, this is like tens of thousands of dollars now. Say, that's a lot of it's money. a lot of money. Okay. Yes. Comes in, however, like I said, ideal customer because he walks right up to the counter and says, I want this gun, this gun, and this ammunition, and bing, bang, boom, done. That's what those guys like. Man with a plan. Man with a plan, for sure. And he actually came in and made a few purchases over, like, a few days. It was really odd. But, again, always came in, knew exactly what he wanted, and it wasn't that uncommon for this because it was a trading post as well to have men buying tons of ammunition every day. Just because that's their job. They're going out and trapping or shooting every day. Yeah. On July 31st, Constable Edgar Millen was at a local store getting some items and he too ran into Albert. He's questioning him about his activities when he sees him because he doesn't really recognize him. And he said he's kind of clean shaven for a trapper. Like he's not overtly bearded or dirty or lacking showers he doesn't look bushy enough yeah like his personal hygiene's a little too good to be a trapper we'll say (laughs) okay (laughs) he doesn't look bushman enough yeah right minimal answers not much conversation he's giving very short answers to what his activities are what he's doing does he have a license do you need help with the license process blah 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 he's actually just trying to be really helpful okay really to this outsider Johnson said little to nothing, like we said, and Millen says that he advised to make a or to make sure that he had renewed his trapping license or if he didn't have one to ensure that he did apply right away because Mm -hmm. it was necessary and he could be scanned while out there if he runs into anyone. December 25th, so Christmas, I'm assuming they didn't celebrate Christmas. Christmas. Did they not celebrate Christmas yet? Okay, well, that's true. I just thought Christmas started when the world started. The world started in the early 1900s. It was going then. If it's a Christian holiday, I mean, Jesus died long before then, didn't he? 
I don't know. I'm going to find out. When was Christmas invented? When did Christmas start? Google. December 25th, 336 AD, Rome. Oh, so that Christmas was long wins. before this time. These men didn't care about their families or didn't have them. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, actually, though, Edgar Millen was actually an immigrant from, I believe, Europe who moved to, like, Calgary as a kid or Edmonton. Okay. And then up to the Northwest Territories. So I honestly don't know what his, uh, like, traditional background would be in that sense. So I don't know. Right, all right. Local First Nations at Rat Creek complained to the Arctic Red River Post that the jo- that Johnson had been altering their trap lines, disassembling them, deactivating them, or even replacing them with his own. Rude. Right, F off. It's also the holidays. That's super rude. Yeah. Shortly after, on December 28th, one day after, our, or one day before our launch anniversary. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's coming up soon. That's crazy. Soon. Wow. Constable Alfred King and Special Constable Joe Bernard have to go to Johnson's log cabin that he had built. And I just imagined his little dinky cabin because I think it was eight feet by 10 feet. So it was like a glamorous outhouse. I love that. Okay. Yeah, you did want a micro house, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted a tiny house for... I would still live in a tiny house. That's like retirement goals. Should we get a micro house as our recording studio? (laughs) Yes. Write it off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Done. Anyway, back to this. Eight by ten, tiny little shack, kind of between two riverbanks. And upon arrival, Johnson completely denies entry. They're banging on the door, and they're even saying, like, you're not in any trouble. We just want to talk to you. Like, can you come out? And he's like, nah, just not doing it. Come out of your mouse house, man. Let's go. Pretty much. Like, hey, molehole, come here. You got to come out of here, rat boy. And they now have to travel back some, like, 120-something kilometers (sighs) with a dog sled. It takes, like, two and a half days to three days. They have to travel back to get a search warrant. No, there's no ATVs in the early no, 1900s, guys. Not at all. No. Not at all. So they go back the 128 kilometers to Aklavik or Aklavik mm-hmm. to petition for a search warrant. It's immediately granted, given that he is also um, invading on indigenous territory as well by messing with these traps. Yeah. So it's a much larger issue. Um, You're violating treaty laws, sir. <laughs> like treaties word. The Gwich'in? Gwich'in? Oh, I had said that he was violating treaty laws, and then I was like, would there have been treaties by then? But yes, they started being signed in, like, the 1700s. Yeah. That one I would say yes to right away for you. So, again, they arrive at his cabin. They're asking to get in. They go back the 128 kilometers to Aklovic to petition for the search warrant, and it is granted. On December 31st, Constable R.D. McDowell... Special Constable Lazarus, Constable Sichinley, I think it was, arrives at Johnson's with King and Bernard. King approaches the cabin and knocks on the door again. All I can think of is, like, Shrek Swamp at this point. That's what's in my mind. Johnson decides when he is banging on the door once again, saying, you're not in any trouble. We just want to talk to you, but we do have a search warrant. We're just going to look around. We're going to leave. He's being extra confirming that nothing's wrong. They're just there to talk to him. Johnson decides instead to shoot through the door. Oh. Yeah. At King, hitting him in the chest. That's a really rash response. 
Right, to such a minor potentially... Like, hi, we're just coming to see you, and then you shoot at me through the door? Yes, exactly what I thought. King fell to the ground, but because he fell at the door and all the other guys are like, or the other few are quite a ways back, an exchange and gunfire just breaks out. Oh, yeah. So they hop on the dog sled immediately the second they can get King away. They rip back the 128 kilometers or 79 miles to the town. The dogs actually go so fast that they do it within 24 hours, which is half the time. They are just like full tilt running the entire time. And they actually do get him to the hospital in time. Those dogs save that man's lives. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Life. Well, maybe lives now. Maybe multiple lives. Yeah. We're not sure. The team was very concerned that Johnson would shoot an officer or open fire with such a minor concern, like you said. Yeah. Like, why was this such a big deal? So immediately they thought he was either up to no good or maybe had a larger warrant out for him. Yeah, like you're afraid of something. That's such an extreme response. Exactly. Hey friends, just a quick reminder, if you like hanging out and you want to see more of us, please visit our social media platforms. You can find us at Podcast by Proxy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have a business, uh, a podcast, or a story that you want featured on our show, we would love to hear it. Email us at podcastbyproxy at gmail.com. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support the show even more, please don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time and money into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing right now. To donate to the podcast one time or on a monthly basis, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcastbyproxy. Now let's get back to it. Hello there, I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. And And we are are Bloodbath. We have been best friends since 2008 when Ashley fell on our ass skateboarding and I laughed at her from my yard. Yeah, yeah, joke's on you, because the next thing you knew, I was walking through your front door, dancing to Another One Bites the Dust without even knocking. Now here we are with a true crime podcast. We often use humor to, you know, cope with the atrocities that we cover. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But it's never at the expense of the victims. We cover the cases that may just involve your neighbor next door. Right this second. And all the way up to the fuckers we all know way too well. Like Ted. Richard. Mr. Kemper. You know, those assholes. When we're not doing something true crime related. Which, when are we not? (laughs) I'm flying planes. And I'm watching or listening to something true crime while doing my makeup and body painting. We put out new episodes every Friday. Catch us at Bloodbath Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Catch Catch you soon, soon, bloodbathers. But wait, there's more. Bye, 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 bye. Alexander Ames, who is an RCMP inspector, assembles a task force made up of Constable Millen and McDowell, Special Constable Bernard, Sicilini, Knut Lang, Ernest Sutherland, and Carl Garland, as well as a First Nations guide named Charlie Rat. And then given the time that the task force takes to assemble, get up to knowledge, get up to knowledge... Get up to speed on the case and, <laughs> for the, yeah, and for the dogs to recoup because they've also just ran the bag off them for 24 hours. They get back at the cabin by this point, though. It's January 9th. So they were there December 31st. Yeah. So yeah. it's been almost 10 days. Now, you'd think Buddy would just beat it. You'd think, think. based on his reaction, but maybe he was just like, oh, I scared them. They ain't Hold coming back up, here. Hold up, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah I'm... I'm I'm a big, strong man. They're not coming back here. 
Also, yes. the next time that you ask me what I'm doing, I'm going to say I'm getting up to knowledge. <laughs> I'm upping my knowledge. No, I'm just getting... What are you doing? I'm getting, getting up to knowledge. Getting up to knowledge. <laughs> hey. All right. I'm just bugging you. I like it. Fine. When Ames and the team surround the cabin and demand for Johnson to exit and relinquish the rifle and the shotgun that he's armed with, instead he begins to unload... And actually managed to keep many waves of, like, the officers reloading and trying to charge the cabin off, too. And they're kind of unsure why, but we figure out later when I'll tell you about it in a second. So the task force, which I've been, I'm going to call the Rat Force, being that it's the Rat Creek, it makes sense, it feels good to me. Tried to storm the cabin many times and still were not successful. So on January... So you're telling me it's like this tiny little outhouse-sized box. With one man. And they just can't get in. And how sturdy were the building supplies in 1930? And he's just standing there firing a gun out the door and they just cannot open that yeah. door. Okay. Or so we think. And they had a warrant. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He, this guy is just zero fucks. <laughs> this is oh, you want so in? Ridiculous. I don't think today's a good day. Or ever. Yeah, no. sounds like it. All right. They leave and go to a, it sounds like a local trading post nearby, and stock up on dynamite this time, thinking... Oh my god, they're just gonna blow it up. We got this, yes. Okay. They get back, and they're trying to figure out what to do, because they don't want to blow it to the point where he'll have multiple ways to exit. They want to blow a single hole in it, and either be able to charge it, or force him to come out, one or the other. But they don't want to actually blow up the cabin. So they try to throw dynamite, like, at the front of it, and it doesn't really work. Okay. So then they think, okay, well, we'll throw another piece at the top of it, kind of, and it ends up blowing up in the air before it gets to it, and they're like, fuck, okay. I'm like, you're really blowing your cover now. (laughs) Like, why did you sneak up this time if you brought dynamite? Like... Come on. Okay. So Lang is saying, let me climb on top and I'm going to drop some dynamite into it and just try to like blow the walls out. So he does get the dynamite in there. He does blow some of the walls out, which is fine. Shockingly, Johnson's just in there. A-okay. Like he didn't blow his limbs off? No, because when they get into it, they see that he's taken the floor out of the cabin he's and he's hiding. built a trench. Wow. So he's so low down in there when he's laying or squatting that he can actually avoid the dynamite because wow. they were having it near the top. This guy's extreme. And he would lay there when they were shooting. He's hiding and in his trap And then he would just like door. pop up, use the holes that they had already shot through like to see and just be like, pew, 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 pew. Just like that. Huh. Okay. That's so wild. their plan to, like, literally blow the lid off his place just didn't work out for them. No, they forgot to assume his trap door under the floor. Yeah. Okay. The place is 8 by 10. If Buddy survived essentially two charges of you guys, you got to think he's got something going on in there. And yeah. they even said he had built, like, some crazy heating contraption in there. So they were aware that he had really good survival skills, too, which made them nervous. Right. And they were like, how is this guy not freezing? Because it's like minus 40 at this time at its low. And this guy's just out there in this little, like, shoebox. He's being resourceful. Like, Later days, guys, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you should add resourceful to his resume. Yeah. But get this. 
Because the food and supplies are running so low for the men and the dogs, Ames actually makes the call to return back to Aklavik. And so he leaves two people there to okay. kind of, like, watch. Because, sure. again, Buddy's still in his little hut being like, Fuck oh, you, motherfucker. Like, can survive in this tiny hut, but you guys didn't bring enough supplies <laughs> exactly. for, like, three days. Could each man not have just carried a little bit of supplies? Did you just put one man in charge? Like, you bring the snack. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, that's what I tell you when you come over and vice versa. You bring the snacks. I mean, look, I'm not the one hauling ass in a dog sled to try and catch some crazy man. But no. it seems a little bit ridiculous. No. Okay. It just seems like a lot more work for yourself not to bring it up. Like, he seems to be managing, so... Yeah. Who knows? Okay. And at this time, you'd think that most of these men would be quite comfortable hunting because that's just the way of the world. Maybe there's... And with the First Nations people or persons with him, was there not some hunting skills on I'm the wondering if it's like a protocol thing. Like, is there some police protocol I don't think labor laws them? were, like, high in the 30s. No, but there may be, like, they have to go in and check in or whatever. I don't know. I'm just trying to... I don't think communication was high in the 30s either, but we'll see. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. So it's minus 43. He heads back. Garland and Millen did try to go back on the 14th because they were the two that stayed in the area. Obviously, they can't stay out there all day because of what conditions. They go back, and Johnson now has fled. Okay. It's like, obviously, why stay around at this point? Yes. So during the four days that they've been out there now... There's been a massive snowfall, and there's no way to tell where his tracks went either. So oh he's just God. gone with no tracks. This standoff made national news because it was one man versus police. Yeah. How is it not going to make the news? And then to find out that he disappeared. He shot a police officer, had a big standoff. And, and still managed to escape. There's a trend. <laughs> this is where the media gave him the name The Mad Trapper at Rat River. And Ames would go on record stating that he is not a demented trapper, but a shrewd man with, who is a tough and desperate character. Okay. And I don't know how he got to know him so well during this time in that, like, minute... Oh, no, he didn't even talk to him in the store. Someone else did. Have you ever had an interaction no. with him? Because... The only one he had is when he didn't answer the door. Sure. <laughs> and then you guys got in a gunfight. Next on the list of search areas for the rat force was now Ames, Sutherland, Sicilini, Nolverville, Sergeant Earl Hershey, and R.F. Rydell. Okay. It also makes me think of Greece. And two First Nations trackers. So they're increasing the team and the expertise, the balance every time of what types of officers they have. They are going to go out and meet up with Millen and Garland at Rat River, and they're going to unite like Power Rangers out there. January 21st, still zero sign of Johnson. Once again, the rat force is low on supplies and has to return back to Aklavik. Ames decides to head back, leaving four men this time. So Millen gets word. Two last time didn't work. Although neither did like the eight you had this time. Someone so. had to pee in debt. So. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Millen gets word again from a local First Nations hunter that there's been rifle shots near a certain area, and they think it's him hunting for caribou. However, they're hesitant because they don't really know if he would shoot off a gun and make noise out there at this point in time because it is so quiet and still. Right. Either way, they head in that direction. 
they start to trek towards Bear River. They're close to covering about 260 square kilometers between Mackenzie River and the Richard River by the Richard Mountains. And on January 30th, the Rat Force finally locates him. They're right on his heels, and Millen sees him, and he orders him once again to surrender. Johnson now pulls out a rifle, and he opens fire once again, because his shotgun's empty now. No, nah, I'm like, this guy's not going down. No, no, no. I don't think we any of us Never expected. I don't think any of us suspected him to be like, oh, yeah, now I'll go nicely. Yeah. As we said, he pulls out the gun. Millen is shot in the chest, piercing his heart, and he dies immediately. However, his team doesn't know this, and what they do is, it's so sweet. They Someone sneaks up and, like, ties the laces on his moccasins so they can grab it and pull him off to safety. No. But when they pull him off to the side, they realize that it's far too late, and there's nothing they can do for him, and they have to leave him there. That's sad. And Millen does have a memorial site in Northwest Territories, and it is a historical site. Oh, cool. <clears throat> That's nice. Yeah. As they're at a cliff's edge, so like they're at a cliff wall. Okay. So they think they've got him. We've got him in a corner. We're good. It's dark out. We'll just circle in on him. <laughs> It'll be fine. But no, they get up to the cliff face and he's gone. He literally just like scoured this cliff face in the dark right up it. I don't know how. He is tenacious. Yeah, one article I read said he's proven himself to be a resourceful woodsman and a remar- with remarkable stamina. Yeah, I mean, if you decide that you're going to do something, you could do it. I feel like whoever dates him's a lucky lady, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until he blows their head off. Well, it seems like it's just cops. Okay. Yep. They found he must have been using backtracking skills to avoid making new tracks in the snow. They were called blind tracks, so he would either walk in his own tracks uh, to get back somewhere and almost get behind them. Right. He'd either wear his snowshoes backwards, so it looks like he went in the opposite direction. Wow, that's... Like, how smart is crafty. that? Crafty. Oh, genius. Not that I'm... And the reason he did this as well, though, is because his snowshoes were homemade, so they had a really distinct print. Okay. So to make sure that he could at least, like, let them go in the opposite direction. Yeah, like, they, they knew it was going to be him. They, they'd know that it's him, but he's trying to be as tricky as possible. Exactly. Okay. He would also walk behind herds of caribou because it was so disrupted. The rat force said that he went through places that were unpassable, and the brush looked just like he would never be able to move it. But he would scour, like, underneath it. <laughs> this guy is so Albert, you wily minx. He would build small traps and snares, and he would build little fires under snowbanks. So he was just like, wow. He's so flippin' resourceful. Yeah. I want this guy's resourceful skills without the murderous edge. He's like constantly three steps ahead of them. Yeah, and he traveled in every weather condition, and most First Nations leaders even said that they would never let anyone in their tribe, even if they were a skilled hunter, go out in those conditions. Right. He used terrain to his advantage as well, like we said, using snowbanks so he could make tiny fires. One senior trapper said it's rough enough out here just staying alive under those conditions, let alone trying to be on the run. Yeah. On February 5th, a famous bush pilot named Wilfred May, who went by WOP, W-O-P people. WOP, WOP, WOP. Yeah. Joined the task force as well. This means that they could now have men and supplies airlifted to wherever they were so they didn't have to send people back finally to get supplies. As well as they could have active search from the air. 
Okay. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so it was a double whammy. It's a win-win. Yeah, that's a huge win. WAP brought with him the Valenza monoplane. Oh, <laughs> sounds, sounds really, really bougie at the time. Really fancy. <laughs> Doesn't sound very reliable. Are you looking up what a monoplane is? No. Monorail. Monorail. Monoplane. As well as being able to look for trails and anomalies from the air, he was also able to uh, watch for flags to show them where they had already walked. So if they marked trails, he could also tell them, like, you guys are going the wrong way. You've already done that area because it is all snowy. A lot of the terrain looks identical. And they're walking along rivers. So certain rivers collide and kind of cross one another. So it is really easy to get turned around. By the 9th, May was told to land his plane and ground it for a few days because a blizzard was coming in. So he ended up being down for about two to three days. And ground teams were also placed on lockdowns within their camp for fear of getting lost without air assistance. Johnson, during this time that there was a blizzard, they assumed he wouldn't have gone very far. However, there were reports that he made it all the way through the Richardson Mountains during this time. I was going to say, after everything this guy has done, I feel like that is a rich assumption. Totally. It's a 1,240-kilometer elevation mountain in northern Yukon during a blizzard. And he's like... I got this. But, like, I wouldn't have anything past this man at this no, point. No, not at all. I did a little bit of looking into who WAP was because I was kind of intrigued by this flight or pilot, sure. stunt pilot thing. Yeah. He was part of what are called the brainstormers or stunt pilots back then, and they were a group that would deliver, like, medicine, food, as well as just other resources to far northern, um, like, small towns oh. and communities, as well as would go on secret missions for, like, police, manhunts, things like that, that most people wouldn't, in conditions that were kind of unreasonable to ask someone to do. Okay. He was also part of the battle in France where the Red Baron was gunned down. Okay. And Do you know who the Red Baron is? No. Okay, the Red Baron was a war vet in Germany in World War Two. Okay. But he was, like, very famous, and he had, like, I looked up how many victories. He did have 80 air combat victories as well. So big deal. And he was like fighting alongside him. So he had to be pretty good. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Valentine's Day of that year, May was fighting over uh, Eagle, flying over Eagle and Bell Rivers where they meet. And he then had to be grounded for two days because of fog. So while he was grounded, the crews on foot still went out, marked all their paths. Um, and Ames was just sure to make sure that May knew to report what pass they had been on. Also, so he wouldn't review them or look at them either. Also, doesn't that just kind of show the victim where you've been, or the criminal where you've been as well? Yeah. Whatever. February 17th, the rat force is sneaky, sneaky, and they f- think they finally catch Johnson. Um, yeah. Sneaky? Yeah, we're going to go with and it. I, I would sneak the sneaker? Yeah. Okay. May hears that while in flight that Johnson has been found, they are trying to take him over on the frozen river. And they do manage to, I don't want to put this here. They do manage to surround him and take him down. And now he does try to actually like fight his way out of this still. Of course. He lays down on the ground and he like puts his backpack over top of himself. And there's an image too on the internet from the plane and you can see just like this black dot on the ice. It's just like a big black blob and it's him with his backpack on. And he literally just takes every round he has and starts shooting. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. He's going to go out with a bang. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. 
but he realizes there's no way out. So he just kind of gives up at that point. He ends up being shot multiple times by the agents because the agents are able to spread out and kind of get like a crossfire on him almost. So he can't protect himself from all angles. They do find that in 2009 in an autopsy that his spine was severed and that would have been the lethal shot. Yeah. So they do resume, exhume him, resume him. (laughs) They exhume him. They take a DNA sample. It hasn't matched anything else in any systems, although they do find that he is of American and Scandinavian ancestry and he was in his mid thirties. And when this came out, there are other resources in the book that I heard mentioned that other people in the store thought they heard a Scandinavian accent from him. So that would make sense. Although it wasn't really in his description when it went out to like public, so to speak. Hershey, the other agent was one of the other agents was also shot, but not fatally. And Johnson at the time of his death had, I don't even know how he had this. He had $2,400 in Canadian money on him still $10 American five low-value pearls, and a small amount of gold. Huh. Although, I guess, like, a world, like, end of the world. He was a doomsday prepper before doomsday preppers were a thing. I was gonna say. Huh. He had no ID, so to this day, we don't even actually know if this is his real name. Oh, that's just what he was using. Albert Johnson is what he was using. Yeah. Fingerprints were not on file with Canadian or American records. How there was fingerprint records but no birth certificates, I don't know. He had no bigger warrants or bounties out at the time for him. And yeah, we don't even know if this is his real identity. That's crazy. And we don't even know why he was shooting cops. No, it was like he just overreacted and then kind of went cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like his ego got in the way and he was like, well. <laughs> I- well, I feel like there was obviously he was doing other stuff because you wouldn't be that. You wouldn't have that extreme of a reaction to cops if you like. No. Maybe he was like secretly. Maybe he was a serial killer. I don't think he was a serial killer, although there is this really cool thing that I wanted to talk about as well because there's the RCMP Heritage Center and apparently there's like actually a part of the museum is about him. Oh yeah, it says and like there's a 3D printed version of his skull. I'm Whoa. just pulling it up right now to show Olivia. Um, And yeah, it just seems like super crazy. And like it even says here, in total, this manhunt took 48 days and almost 250 kilometers in minus 40 degree weather. 200 hour, 130 kilometer dog sled trip. Oh, that was one of the constables that needed medical That was when they had to rush him back to the hospital. Yeah, they had to like bolt back. And it was, yeah, the, the 200 hours includes the medical treatment he got because I had to clarify that for myself as huh. well. Um, and then a yeah. bullet fell out when his body was exhumed in 2007 and the <laughs> bullet is on display. Where is this museum? I don't know. It's the Macabre Museum. Macabre. 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 Is that how you pronounce it? Macabre. Yeah, it's like the dark and. Oh, okay. But where... <laughs> I'm an idiot. Time. No, that's where training the training academy is in Regina. This is riveting content for everyone listening to this. Yeah, everyone's listening to us. Google. I'm gonna look it up. It's funny because I wanted to show you this, but I didn't go far enough to look up where this was so we could go. I think it is in Regina. You're right. Mm -mm -mm. I'm always right. 
But also, I think we should just take a minute and remind everyone that we... We? We? <laughs> yeah, it is. The RCMB Heritage Center is in Regina, Saskatchewan, which is also where the training academy is. Ooh. Yeah, RCMP Academy. Well, if I drive across Canada soon, I'll check it out. Canada? Canada. Uh, we should take a minute, though, to remind everyone, uh, if you want to hear more of us or any bonus content, we do have a Patreon. Yes. You can head on over there. We have three different tiers to choose from. We wanted to make it accessible for everyone with as low as a dollar for the first tier. Mm-hmm. The bonus content, merch discounts. You can get early episodes. Early release of episodes. For some tiers, you will get some stuff sent to you. Maybe a surprise. Maybe a surprise t-shirt. So yes, you can sign up for that if you want to support us further or hear more from us. Yeah, you can follow the link in our Instagram to Linktree and Patreons there. Yes, it's the top link. Also, I did just want to mention if you are enjoying our show or if you have suggestions for us, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, It helps with our visibility and it also helps us know if we're doing a good job and how we can improve. So that rating and review option is there for you to tell us how you feel. Um, And we do check them. So I appreciate everyone who has done a rating and review, but yeah. And if you've rated and reviewed, if you can also share either our show or the episodes here and there, that is so flippin' helpful as well. It gets us out there to maybe people who aren't on a listening platform that we're on mm-hmm. or maybe don't know too much about podcasts. I find more and more I find people who just don't listen to podcasts because they don't know where to find them or where they are. So sharing mm-hmm. a direct link to a listening platform they already have is super helpful. So we'd appreciate that. I have seen um, some of you guys tagging us though in posts when people are asking about like what true crime podcast to listen to. So we appreciate that so much. Thank you for sharing with your friends. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.